Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash genre. Over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, or Kindle. That's audibletrial.com forward slash G-E-N-R-E. Weirdo bookworms unite! We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Fans of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading. Hello and welcome to another episode of Genre Junkies. I'm your host, Sandra. And I'm your other host, Scott. So tonight we're going to be talking about my favorite genre in the whole wide world, horror. Question mark? Oh, what what is this question mark? <laughs> we'll get into it. It's horror. It's horror night, people, and welcome, welcome to it. So let's start by just kind of talking a little bit about what we've been up to since the last time we recorded. Uh, my sort of extracurricular book this week has been Slade House by David Mitchell. I got this in a nocturnal reader's box a while back. Um, awesome subscription service. I love them. So, so much. They are amazing. If you're not subscribed to them, what are you even doing with your life if you're a horror fan? Uh, So this book is sort of a novella. It's pretty little. Uh, David Mitchell, I'd read one other thing by him, Cloud Atlas, which is like, of course, a total mind trip science fiction situation. I still haven't gotten around to that one. You really should. You should read it before you see the movie. Um, It's insane. There's just, there's nothing Nothing like Cloud Atlas that I've come across. And this was quite different. It had his really um, fun, wry humor that I've come to love. And it takes place like around Halloween. And it's a nice, fun, spooky little read. Yeah, I don't know. I just had like a really nice, relaxing time when I would settle into this book. So I highly recommend you pick it up. Plus, it's really pretty too. It's a really pretty edition. Well, I'm really glad that you had some extra time to read a little book. I um, always do. Yeah, I I have not recently. Um, That's not entirely true. No. Well, it is pretty much true. But what I have been able to squeeze in is the excellent adaptation of the first chapter of The Adventure Zone. Well, that is what I meant. Uh, you probably have heard of it at this time. It is a New York Times trade bestseller, number one bestseller, the first uh, graphic novel to ever do it, which is... I, I'm I'm just so happy for them, and and Carrie Peach's art is so good. It's if if you've ever listened to the Adventure Zone, or really even if you haven't, you should absolutely pick up the first the the first graphic novel, the Adventure Zone. Here there be goblins. So this is of course the brothers McElroy. Yeah. So of my brother, my brother and me. Uh, Podcast and, royalty. That's right. Exactly. Super funny dudes. But yeah, that's that was really. That was really special to me. As you know, The Adventure Zone, the podcast, is one of my favorite stories of all time, uh, of any medium. So they're basically playing Dungeons and Dragons, and this is like the novelization of that first season of the podcast, right? Yes, but they're so funny, and it's also so heartfelt, especially as it goes throughout the story. Well, I'm glad that you read that, and uh, anybody who's interested should totally check that out. I will eventually be getting around to read it when I'm in the right mindset for that sort of thing. So tonight, we're going to talk about a book that we were fortunate enough to get an advanced reader copy of, and that is Bad Man by Dathan 
Auerbach. So you don't have to wait super long for Batman to become available. Um, it's actually going to come out August 7th. That is next Monday? Something like that. Yeah, I think it's the Monday following this podcast. So I do not prepare an additional synopsis for this book because I actually like what they have to say. Uh, so let me kind of just tell you what this is all about. Reddit horror sensation Dathan Auerbach delivers a devilishly dark novel about a young boy who goes missing and a brother who won't stop looking for him. Eric disappeared when he was three years old. Ben looked away for only a second at the grocery store, but that was all it took. His brother was gone, vanished right into the sticky air of the Florida panhandle. They say you've only got a couple of days to find a missing person. 48 hours to conduct searches, knock on doors, and talk to witnesses. Two days to tear the world apart if there's any chance of putting yours back together. That's your window. That window closed five years ago, leaving Ben's life in ruins. He still looks for his brother, still searches, while his stepmother sits and waits and whispers for Eric, refusing to leave the house that Ben's father can no longer afford. Now 20 and desperate for work, Ben takes a night stock job at the only place that will have him, the store that blinked Eric out of existence. Ben can feel there's something wrong there, with the people, with the boss, with the graffitied bailer that shudders and moans and beckons. There's something wrong with the air itself. He knows he's in the right place now, that the store has much to tell him. So he keeps searching, keeps looking for his baby brother, while missing the most important message of all, that he should have stopped looking. So that synopsis, I, I, I know I read it probably months ago, but I had completely forgotten it. I like the synopsis, but I do think that the tone of that synopsis doesn't necessarily match the book exactly. Oh, I would disagree. I think it's a I think it's, it's a good tone. I mean, there's always more. There's more nuance when you get into the book and discover it. But I thought that that's why I didn't write a separate synopsis, because I was like, yeah, I, I think that covers it. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. That synopsis definitely piques my interest in the book. It definitely is what brought me into it and, and put it on my radar. But I think ultimately, there's a few things that could be you could be better prepared for in that synopsis. I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to save the rest of my argument for the spoiler section. All right. So I'd like to get us started on the experience score, if that's all right with you. Please. All right. Um, I don't know if it was because at first um, I thought I confused this book's premise with the premise of Stephen King's Outsider, and so I was very confused <laughs> for the first half of the book. Um it might have been the fact that I was expecting a purely horror novel, and this is a little bit different than that. Um, or it might be just the fact that I don't really like any of the characters. I had a little trouble getting into this book. I, I didn't hate it. It wasn't a struggle, but a page turner it was not. I think it's a good read, though. My jaw is actually on the floor, people. The jaw is on the floor. This is a page turner. Um... I was so excited to keep coming back to this book. I could, I was like, there's a few times when I was reading on my like work breaks and I'd like hit the dashboard of my car and be like, no, no, damn it. I just want to keep reading. I, I had a feeling that this book was going to be a little bit polarizing for the both of us. When it comes to books like this, you and I usually don't agree in either direction. Usually the one books like this that I really like, you're a little bit iffy on. And the ones that you really like, I'm a little bit iffy on. I, this book is different, though. I really had no idea what you'd think of it. I, I'm I'm happy that it was a page turner for you, but I am a little surprised. Oh, my gosh. No, I I had to know. I was very invested. Very invested. 
Well, I think we should talk a little bit about the writing style because we've been talking. I've at least been talking a lot about how I think that this book is a little bit different than what was presented. And I, you know, had a little bit of problems with some stuff. So I think we should start with that. My main thing is that I felt this book was really much more of a mystery drama than it was a horror book. No. Incorrect. No, I'm sorry. No, I respect your opinion, but no. I know that that the definition of horror is very loose, as we've had on this before. Like, I, I, we both are firm believers that Gravity is a horror film. Yeah. I, yeah. I think horror has a lot of different things. It's not just slashers and, and supernatural, but this book doesn't have... I. It never horrified me. It made me nervous. I was in suspense, but at no point was I horrified. Oh, really? There was a few parts where I was abjectly horrified. Um, specifically, some of the visual descriptions that David would give us. Um, I definitely don't want to give anything away, but they were like so eerie and well described that they made an impression on me in my memory. I think that his descriptions are really his strongest point when it comes to his writing, at least in this book. His descriptions and internal monologues of character is very well thought out and and very deep prose. And I do really respect that in his writing. So something that I, um, a couple of things I really wanted to touch on about Batman is right now in horror, especially in film, but in TV and in books, uh, we're seeing a lot of family-driven horror, and this is very on brand with that for me. There's, like, I'm thinking of Hereditary, I'm thinking of Hereditary, I'm thinking of A Quiet Place, where there's a horrifying situation going on, and part of the horror is the family dynamic and how the family is interacting and how the different parts of it move together. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable and sometimes it's really engaging and sometimes it's really affectionate, but it plays deeply into the horror of the story. And I thought that was just really cool and uh, very, very, like I said, on brand, very present with kind of what horror is doing right now and obviously what is speaking to people and resonating with people within horror. Uh, Something else that I super appreciated about this book, a little bit from a a character standpoint, really, is that Ben is not a glamorous character. His family is not glamorous. They are a struggling working class family. You know, he didn't go off to college and become a marketing executive or work in finance or something like that. He has a job that is necessary and needed to be done in our society. Someone to stock the grocery shelves while the customers are not there. It's a thankless, unglamorous job. His dad delivers newspapers. His stepmother is having such a hard time with her mental and emotional well-being. She doesn't work. They don't live in a glamorous home. He and his dad share a truck. And I just really appreciated um, David's storytelling in this, that he was like, hey, you know what? This world is also made up of ordinary people in sometimes really horrifying situations. Well, let me let me there's a lot to unpack there for me. Let me start with Ben. I think that it's really interesting that Ben is not just a stew who's going through the story. He's an overweight 
chronically injured, like a, has a has a chronic yeah he has a disability yeah he's he and and that actually is not just a, a fact that's touched on it's very much a part of his personality a part of his character and I really appreciated that me too me too that he's not a I don't know alpha stereotypical Hollywood leading man. He's a little bit hard to relate to because I'm not used to reading characters like that. And I don't know how much of it is just because I'm not accustomed to it and how much of it is that he's just a little bit pathetic in the yes. book. And it's it's a little bit difficult to have your your main voice, your only voice through the book, being kind of a pathetic person. It's a little bit difficult to, to handle. Uh, I found that pathos, <laughs> uh, that um, that empathy, that uh, I don't want to say pity, that's not quite the right word, but that like, I don't know, just really real, visceral character. I found it so freaking refreshing. I really appreciated Ben because he's not the typical leaning man. And I understand where you're saying that that was like difficult for you as kind of our main person to follow through this story. Oh, and make no mistake. Difficult doesn't mean bad. It was challenging for me. And that's a good thing. That's part of what compelled me through the story is I was like, how is somebody so very ordinary going to handle this situation? But since we're talking about the family dynamic, I want to touch a little bit on his on his father and his stepmother, Uh, more specifically Deidre, which I think we'll go into more in the spoiler section. But yeah, I want to hear what you thought about his his parents' dynamic first. It definitely relates into what I was saying earlier, that I was super appreciative of this uh, very much a snapshot of what's going on in, in you know, different small towns, uh, I'm sure the world over, really, where people have challenges and things are tough. And um, I appreciated the kind of salt-of-the-earthness that his fer- that his parents represented, especially his dad. His dad's definitely a little bit more, you know, kind of shove those feelings down. Whereas his stepmother, who they often refer to as just his his parents, his mom and dad, um, she never got over this trauma, and she can't work outside the home. She has to be there, and I feel that that's um a very real point of view that can cause a lot of tension and drama in a family. And there's some really uh, eerie things that happen around Deirdre, too. Okay. Um, I, I, I get what you're saying when it comes to salt of the earth and, and, and having family dynamic drama. And, and I, I really enjoy that in books when the parents have some issues and, and are more salt of the earth. I deeply disliked Deirdre. I disliked the way that she was written. And specifically, I mean, this is my biggest problem i despised the way that the rest of the characters interacted with her throughout the book i i i found it unbelievable i i really don't see where you're coming from with that i know some of that we are gonna have to address in the spoilers though absolutely but uh, let me just say that i did not like the parents family dynamic in the least Oh, and that's so funny because that's like part of what I found very enriching about this uh, family dynamic centered horror story. So that's, you know, uh, for you as a reader to decide how you felt about it. So should we talk a little bit about his uh, co-workers? I think we should. I think they are an important part of the story. We're not going to go into super in depth. Um, 
Marty was my favorite character. Uh, Marty was Marty was my favorite character as well. He, he's a he's a great uh, snarky, just kind of <laughs> greaser. Wow, that's kind of ridiculous. You a can greaser? tell I'm a theater nerd. What are you talking about, John Travolta? No, he's just he's just kind of a. He's just a real dude. Yeah, he really just is. Um, and again, uh, something I found very refreshing uh, was some of the banter between the guys. Um, definitely going to talk about Marty more in the spoiler section. Super good uh, comedic relief and also really key in a lot of the tension building stuff. Then there's also Frank, who's the other guy that stalks with him at night. What do you think about Frank? I thought he was. Um, I thought he was a nice flavor text because he's the all three of them are so different i think frank as much as this book has one was kind of the uh the comedic release character he was the one who just didn't take anything as seriously as anybody else he had some great one-liners that's for sure yeah absolutely then there's beverly who works in bread uh, there's just this old lady who's worked there for you know 300 years and Probably should have retired 50 years ago, but is still just hanging around. Comes across uh, demented, <laughs> like to the other characters. And then his awful boss, who is just an awful, awful boss. Oh my god, I hated this man so much. He is so disgusting. He's a pig. He is awful. Um, Definitely added to some of that page-turny stuff for me, but he's not a villain and like a, oh, I love the villain sort of way. Like, no, this man just sucks. Well, I really want to get into spoilers and talk a little bit more about what I was referring to. Um, But before we do, I'm really curious to know what your appeal score is for the book. Sure. I'm happy to tell you all. So for me, I'm going to give it a broad appeal. Um, I mean, obviously not quite mass. I think that this is a book for horror fans, generally, people or people who like to read horror on occasion. Um, it's not going to cross over any major boundaries or anything to, you know, recruit new fans into horror. But like I said, there was so much about this book that I found to be such a nice change of pace. Um, I loved the family stuff. I loved how family plays into horror. I think that's a super interesting dynamic going on right now. I loved the idea of very average, lower middle class folks in America dealing with a horrific situation. Well, I think my score might surprise you. I I think this is a mass appeal book. I love to hear that. Uh, I mean, it's gritty and depressing, uh, sure. But it, it's it's that in the same way that Girl on the Train in Dark Places is. Um so there's there's some things that I'll bring up in the spoiler section that I think will prevent Badman from getting the uh, the word of mouth viral spread that those previously mentioned books got. I think that there's good stuff in this book for any reader out there. It's it's not it's it's I mean it is a interesting good normal book. Okay, guys, let's take a a little break so I can put on my boxing gloves and get ready to go to battle here against Scott. And we'll catch you on the other side of the spoilers. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. All right, horror fans. So in this corner, we have the heavyweight undisputed horror champion, 
me <laughs> and my opponent in the other corner. Yes, the uh, slightly less experienced horror um, champion, novice. Okay. <laughs> Middleweight, Walter Waite. So, no, I, I'm glad. Obviously, Scott, you did not hate this book, but it uh, obviously spoke to us on some different levels here. Oh, yeah. I, I want to clarify. I did not hate this book. I I enjoyed the book. I I, I would recommend this book to some people. I, I actually might even recommend this book to my mom, which is yeah, yeah. Which is um, not always common with the books that we read here on Genre Junkies. I, I enjoyed it. I just had some fundamental issues with it. So, okay, so first off, I want to start this on a positive note. Um, And a positive note for me would be talking about Marty. Okay. So as I said, I really liked Marty. I appreciated Marty's humor. I appreciated Marty's realness. I appreciated the tough living situation that Marty was in and not great conditions and some controversial things going on in the home in relation to the children. But again, there's a gritty realness to that I appreciated. But um, I appreciated his optimism, his humor, and his realness. He really spoke to me on a lot of levels. I loved that sometimes he was a red herring for what was going on here. Um, And then, of course, to read uh, the beautiful uh, author's note that David wrote at the end, that this is based on his time in a grocery store doing this job, and with a character who is a good friend of his, completely based on Marty, who has passed away, I was really touched. It really made me emotional, and I was like, well, that's why Marty felt so real to me. So you said it yourself that Marty's set up through a lot of the book as being uh, a red herring multiple times. He's not just set up as a red herring, you know, and he is the red herring through most of the book. Just multiple times it makes you feel like what he's saying is a lie and what he's saying is is unbelievable. And it's not until the very end of the book that you realize that everything it was was genuine. And it made me really hard to trust him for long enough to enjoy him. Well, Marty did have secrets, though. So he did tell some lies. Like, I mean, um, you know, he had some skeletons in the closet there. But I think I thought you would appreciate that more as an unreliable narrator. Yeah, but the skeletons in his closet were actually none of Ben's business. No, exactly. That's what made it so uh, great of a red hair. I mean, it wasn't like he was keeping a secret that he really should have let Ben know and it would have solved everything. It's not like that. Oh, if they would just actually talk about it, then everything, then the whole plot of the story would be solved. No. no. What he didn't tell him was just basically that his little brother was autistic. Okay. I mean, well, that's no, none I mean, he's of, not just autistic. They well, keep him chained in, in a chair in a locked room with blacked out windows because he bit a girl once or something, which is pretty horrifying. And like, Obviously, he gets, you know, beat up by his mom's boyfriend, and he's, like, really this father figure to his other brother. Very complicated stuff, and I'm glad that all of his secrets did not have anything to do with Eric. That made me happy. So that's the way I approached Marty. Well, after the book was over, that's when he, I was like, okay, yes, he is my favorite character. He is the only real good person in this whole story. Uh, I just, throughout the book, I had a lot of trouble actually getting there for, you know, nine, 90% of the book because I really thought there was something truly wrong with him. So then uh, Frank and his dad and the Blackwater School was another wonderful device that had me guessing a lot. And I was like, oh, how does this play in? Uh, to what extent? And the extent at which it folded into the plot was not what I was initially thinking. I thought that was pretty cool. 
I really liked the concept of the Blackwater School. Um, it was introduced a little bit too late in the book for me. A lot of things were introduced a little bit too late into the book for me. And it, and it doesn't really have a payoff. The payoff is that Beverly is nuts and she went there and continued to uh, be a deranged, unhealthy person upon leaving And that the little golden-haired boy saw that little emblem in the front of the school Bible and was like, you know, such the creepy little wonderful sociopath that he is that he's like, oh, I'm going to use this because it's cryptic and weird. The problem that I have with the Blackwater School reveal, if you want to call it that, is that it never really explains what Beverly was there. Was she a student or was she an employee? Because... She says something, well, if you knew anything about it, you would know they would never let me anywhere near there now. And mm, that's a good point. But I kind of liked that ambiguity myself. See, I don't I, I didn't. And the reason why is because they introduced the Blackwater School so late in the book. And it was kind of really the only thing that really started to explain something. And then they just left it completely ambiguous. He he made it where it really didn't matter with the way that he wrote it. It's like, OK, she went to a creepy school, either as an employee or as a student, and now she's nuts. But it, there's there's not enough juice there to really justify her actions. I, I see what you mean, that you wanted a little bit more of a payoff with that. And that's, I think, one of those things you're going to be satisfied with that payload or not. Um, part of what tied it into being such a fun, satisfying read for me in general is the golden-haired boy and the fact that... He is so unhinged that everything that he kind of did to mess with Ben and mess with people makes sense in his warped little mind, but it's nothing you would have guessed. It's nothing you would have saw coming. And that's pretty horrific to me to just be like, oh, yeah, did we forgot to we forgot to tell you Eric had this creepy brother that's been brainwashing him. And messing with Ben and messing with everybody, including Beverly. I I did like the final twist of him kind of being the ultimate bad guy. He is really the bad man. And uh, I love his, like, I just love the way he interacts with Ben and with Eric and with Beverly. It's so twisted. It's so sick. I have to say, I'm a little bit, I'm not surprised that you enjoyed this book. I love a creepy kid. I, I enjoyed this book. I am a little bit surprised of how much you're defending the the mystery of this book because I felt that it because you are the mystery buff. But see, that's the thing is this book was not like sold to me or presented to me as a mystery. It is horror. And that's where it lies. Uh, that's where the difference lies to me. Well, and see, and and I'm the same way. This book was sold to me as a horror and not as a mystery. And that's why it throws me even more because it's written like a mystery. It's written like a gone girl where it's something really weird is happening, but it's not, it's not, it's not supernatural. There's nothing weird about it. There should be clues and there's not really anything given there to let you understand what's going on until it's revealed in the final act. Oh my gosh. I feel like we're kind of saying the same thing, but in such different ways, like how we're defending it because it's to me it is so not a mystery there is a mystery it's a mysterious situation what happened to eric but all of the things that you're kind of saying are a complaint i'm like but that's what makes it kind of horror is that these clues are not real clues hercule perot is not going to come in and help us make sense of this thing it's not to be slussed out 
we're dealing with a psychopath. Where I'm giving this book points, and maybe this was the author's intention and maybe it wasn't, but this is what I'm putting on it. Where I'm giving this book points is that it bridges a line between horror and mystery, and I I appreciate that as a concept. It, it, but what you're arguing for me personally, if this book is to be taken as a horror book, I think it fails. I think if it's to be taken at this for me, I think if, if it was to be taken as a mystery book, I think it also fails. I don't think it does either genre justice. Wow. I just could not disagree more. Scott, friends at home. Um, I, I thought this was a cool horror. I thought this was a cool modern sort of take on a horror novel um wow i am i'm a little dumbstruck that you feel that way um so one a couple other things i wanted to talk about and touch on in the spoiler section is well first of all i love a creepy kid he's a great creepy kid loved that payoff um i loved that sometimes you didn't know if ben was crazy if you didn't know if ben was sane if um, things were supernatural, if things were real. He's this sleep-deprived, overstressed person, and he has a tendency to slip into, like, WTF is happening right now. And that's kind of where I enjoyed Deirdre as more of a straight-up horror character, is there was times when I was like, is uh, did Deirdre do something like what is Deirdre involved in this some way and her kind of slipping in and out of Ben's kind of waking walking nightmares okay um there's a couple things there I want to get back to Deirdre in just a second let me talk about Ben Ben this book made me realize where my limit is for my joy of unreliable narrators oh I apparently enjoy books where it is revealed in a sudden shift, either in the middle or the very end, or at some point in the book, in a sudden shift, you come to realize this character has been an unreliable narrator. And this book never does that. There's little bits and pieces where, oh, I don't remember that happening exactly like that, where it sets it up, well, maybe the other character is lying, or maybe Ben is lying to himself. And it actually got a little tiring by the end, because there wasn't even a payoff to him being an unreliable narrator. Why do you need to have these payoffs you speak of? It's so funny to me because I'm like, no, sometimes the payoff for me is ambiguity. That's what I, I and I love that where you can kind of draw your own conclusion. Well, OK, I'm not necessarily uncomfortable with ambiguity at all. There's some things that I do enjoy. What I don't enjoy is creating a, a large portion of the book being a buildup for a certain type of conceit in this case is unreliable narration and it has no point it has no effect on what the actual reveal of the book was you know there's a big twist and there's a big you know a, a reveal and, and all of the little clues are combined into this master thing and his unreliable narration has nothing to do with it. The fact that he didn't remember yanking his brother's arm, the fact that he didn't tell you, the reader, until until the police officer made him confront the fact that he he basically falsely accused and lied about someone else's possible guilt. There's all these things that make him unlikable and unreliable, but none of that has anything to do with what happened to his brother in the end. And I felt that that was kind of a waste of that idea. I, gosh, again, I'm just kind of dumbstruck because that's either going to bother you 
like it did Scott, or it's going to not bother you like it did me. I was totally fine with kind of stumbling happily through this book, not sure who and what to believe, and that it's okay that that wasn't all wrapped up for me in the end. So now the promised getting back to Deirdre for me. I just really didn't find Deirdre to be believable to me personally. And more importantly, I guess I shouldn't say that I didn't find her to be believable. I think that having someone who has become unhinged after the loss of her child and five years later still being in that state, that that's something I can get behind. That's something that I can that's something that I can emphasize with. That's something that I can be very interested in. What I didn't like is that for me, everyone just kind of treated her like she was fine. Like the things that she was doing to Ben in particular was fine. And it just it just rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. I I would have liked to have seen a little bit more support towards her, a little bit more understanding as opposed to just resignation. Yeah, um, well, I see what you mean. I just think for me, that would not have fit into the wonderful, wily, un, uh, unreliable vibe of this book. So I was good with it. I guess part of this is because, you know, you and I definitely see this book as being, you know, a different genre between the two of us. And, and and the more I think about it, the more the more I really feel like it's not Deirdre herself that I don't like, because, again, I can get behind that kind of character. I just don't like how no one else talked about it. No one else handled it. And and people treated Ben like he was the bad guy for not being OK with the fact that she was not OK. Oh, see, and I thought Ben was so kind about her. No, exactly. She He was super kind about it, and he was. He was the humanizing factor to her, but his father in particular, when he finally, when, when Ben finally has enough at certain points, when Ben finally points out at certain times that things aren't okay, he's treated like he's the bad guy. And they never really, his father never really apologizes to him for that. He still continues to hold that up. Like you're the one for setting her off. But see, that's part of that family stuff that I liked is in some families, that's what happens. So one kind of positive thing I wanted to also put in here was Beverly, you know, whatever's going on with Beverly. It's always nice to see a little female villain representation in there. That twist and payoff was great. Yeah. I I actually am very happy that she ended up being the kidnapper. I did like her. I did like her character motivation as much uh, as much character motivation as there was around it. I, I, I liked it a lot. So I think that we should go ahead and start wrapping this up. Um, we clearly have different opinions, and I'm really excited to give my execution score of the book, and I'm here excited to hear yours. Uh, what do you think about, like, palettes? How many, how many palettes out of five? I think that's pretty good. Um, I'm going to give this four palettes out of five. Um, I found it a very enjoyable read. There wasn't really a lot that I would change about it. I think I've kind of said ad nauseum all the things that worked for me in this book. Uh, the shadiness, the shadowiness, the um, kind of slowly unraveling thread of family and what happens in a tragedy in a horror sense. I, I found it a very... Good time for nice palettes for the grocery store. 
So I know that this spoiler section has seemed seemed very different from the review section as far as my opinion is concerned. So I just want to go ahead and remind everybody, I enjoyed this book. I gave it a score of a good read. And I also think that this book does have mass appeal potential. Uh, however, when it comes to the execution, I have to give this two out of five pallets. It has a pretty good payoff. It has a decent twist rolled in, but it takes way too long to get there. It meanders far too much on it, and I'm using air quotes, character work, before it starts to reveal anything. Um, in fact, I find little in the first three quarters of the story to assist the reader in, in, in figuring out anything about the ultimate kidnapper, save for a few little Easter eggs that are thrown in there that aren't really hints. Uh, ultimately, like I said, because they don't explain Blackwater, the the actual motivation of the main character isn't really explained enough for me. So it calls itself a horror book and that's debatable. And we've kind of spent the whole episode doing it. Uh, but I, but I read it more as a mystery book and in, but in both of those, I, I feel that it fails at a lot of basic rules. So I think the execution was severely lacking at two out of five pallets. I'm going to have to cap this or I'm just never Africa. I mean, I'm just going to keep repeating myself and going in circles. You know your girl loved this. I'm calling it horror. Scott's not sure. Obviously, if you're in this section, you're going to know for yourself by now. So reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Sandra. And as always, keep reading past your bedtime. (laughs) 